Welcome to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The way I can give support to the world right now is by showing up. Uh, The most important thing is don't think just that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself. Show up. If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is Dr. Nancy's passion and her purpose, and talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of her favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up in my conversations. I build relationship. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Mona Sinha is executive director of Equality Now and a globally recognized advocate for gender equality. Aligning her passion for social justice and women's empowerment with her early experience working in the corporate sector, she has enabled over 90 organizations to unlock economic potential and protect the legal rights of women, girls, and gender non-conforming people. With her deep understanding of the women's rights ecosystem and her intentional focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, Mona Sinha has led and catalyzed over $1 billion to fund progressive projects, initiatives, and grassroots movements that elevate the economic agency of women and amplify women leaders, all on a global scale. Mona Sinha serves on several social profit boards with a focus on governance, strategy, and sustainability, and is the founder of Insight Circle Fund, which uplifts women's leadership and centers marginalized communities to advance equality. She also co-founded the Asian Women's Leadership University to bring the liberal arts education model to women across Asia. In 2015, she received the Ellis Island Medal of Honor, which is presented annually to U.S. citizens whose accomplishments in their field and service to the world are cause for celebration. Now here's Dr. Nancy and her guest, Mona Sinha. Thank you. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. I I just wanted to talk to you again. That's all there is to it. I just want to talk to you again. But, you know, it, it really is important to start out these conversations where we, what we talked about before, because someone like you, people will look at not knowing you, but knowing what, what you do and who you are in some respects, will think things are easy for you. And women mm-hmm. we have this great knack of looking at another woman and going, well, she's smarter than I am. She's thinner than I am. No doubt she's <laughs> more talented than I am. So we, yeah. we do a lot of comparing. And, and I think it's just a I don't, maybe it's in our DNA, I don't know. But the important thing is when we really start to tell our stories about who we are is when we really start to connect. And that's why I always begin begin a conversation with, tell me about you. How did you get to be Mona? Tell me where you come from, uh, you know, the things that have made you who you are today, the person I'm talking to. So let's go back over that because I think that actually there's some wonderful things that have led you to this point in your life. Absolutely. Honestly, I grew up as the youngest of three girls in Calcutta. So my uh, teen years, early childhood and teen years were spent growing up in Calcutta. And uh, even though I was very happy to be the youngest of three girls, I always heard the chatter around me of how disappointing it must have been to my parents to not have a son. Because even today, the male preference in that part of the world is, is very dominant. And I didn't 
really pay it too much heed, except that I think unconsciously I was always trying to be that boy and trying to do things that a son would have done, such as play sports or, you know, engage in making sure I had good grades in school, all of those kinds of things, which um, I probably would have done anyway, but I just did it with this different lens, a little bit of an imposter lens, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then um, when I was in sixth grade, you know, we used to have needlework class in the all girls school that I went to. And at the end of the year, we would collect everything we knitted and we needlework embroidered whatever we did, and it would go to Mother Teresa's orphanage. And I was chosen as a representative of the school to take it there. And I was so struck when I went there because there were all these girls, babies mostly, but then there were some girls that were my age, so 12 years old, you know, living there all their lives, basically. Um, and we used to have half days on Thursdays, so I started going there every Thursday afternoon because I never knew what to do at home anyway when I came home early from school. And this became sort of a six-year journey, you know, till I graduated from high school. And it was, it was, you know, it was fun. It wasn't really hard. I used to just go play with the kids and, and hang out with the kids my age till one day I realized that there were no boys there precisely because they either got adopted first or they were never given up for adoption. Mm. And so that kind of struck me. And so there were these little signs all along that made me realize that girls were just not as uh, wanted as boys were. And God forbid if you were three of three, you know? So um, anyway, when I turned 18, I joined college and there was a lot of political unrest and things were a mess. And I decided I wanted to apply to go to America. And I consciously applied to women's colleges. Uh, and when I got into Smith with a scholarship, that's the school I chose. And for me, I feel, Nancy, that that was life changing because I was in a place where not only was I valued for who I was, but I really had to discover who I was because there was no safety net and there was no family. So I had to create my own family and I had to really learn how to stand up for my own values. And, you know, Smith teaches you that because a, you're supported, but you're also challenged academically and otherwise. And for the first time in my life, I was on scholarship. I had never grown up wanting for anything. And all of a sudden, I had to be very careful about what I was spending and where I was working and how big my loans were and all this kind of stuff, which I had never, ever had to deal with. So it was really a growing up time, you know, in some ways. And uh, post Smith, I went to work on Wall Street, mostly because I had loans to repay. But um, but soon discovered that I really liked it. I really enjoyed the financial work and uh, but I didn't really love the culture so much. So I did that. I went to business school at Columbia and then made a pivot because a friend of mine told me you have a job because I technically could go back to my old job. They wanted me to stay. So go do something creative because you're not just a finance geek, which you keep you know thinking you are. Mm-hmm. So I tried out a summer job at Procter & Gamble in uh, brand management and marketing. And it was great fun. It was like, you know, you're running a business. And the the problem with banking, the kind of M&A banking I did was you finished a deal and then you were done. You never saw them again, you know? So when I came back for my second year at business school, I was very confused. I was like, okay, now what do I do? You know, I have these, yeah. this great job and this great option. And I negotiated for all kinds of things saying, thinking they'd say, okay, that's enough. We can't give that to you. But they were like, no, you can have whatever you want. So it was this really interesting place. Um, and I finally decided to pivot and go work in marketing at Unilever. Did that for several years and then got 
sort of put into an ideal role because they realized that not only was I a good marketer, but I loved finance and I liked the numbers. And I guess it's an unusual combination. Mm -hmm. um, so I became their restructuring person and ended up working with um, the CEO who hired me and then moved on and moved to a different Unilever company, followed him there. Um, and I ran all of Asia Pacific for this organization that had to be restructured to be sold. So very few people knew that. And that was life-changing because you really learned about the importance, at least I did. I traveled a lot because I like being proximate to what I'm doing. I don't like waving the wand from high above. And I had all of Asia. Yeah, hands-on. Hands-on, yes. Very hands-on, yeah. And South Africa, New Zealand, Australia. And so I would go to these regions and realize that we had a global strategy. The execution had to be hyper-local because otherwise it wasn't going to work. Yeah. And I've carried that with me, you know, the whole time. And I always say I come from a place of abundance because I really believe that people who are living the experience, whether they are salespeople or marketing people or finance people, but working in a region, know their customers best. And it, the same thing applies to what I'm doing today at Equality Now. So people who are actually living the issues that we're trying to solve often know the solutions best. Yeah. And so you have to be able to listen and understand what their experience is before you can propose any kind of changes. Yeah, what the real problem is and what, uh, what possible solutions they are. You know, there's, there's so many similarities between you and my, I know I, I felt the same way when you told me you were, told me about yourself before, but, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up the same way, just not feeling prized as a, as a, as a girl. And really I was the biggest tomboy on the block, you know, mm -hmm. boys did come because I could kick a ball. I could do mm -hmm. things sports wise that most girls couldn't. And, uh, you know, and that was, that was the way I, I grew up believing. And this is where I got my, my greatest strength. You know, and I worked all through school and because, again, money was my vehicle to get what I wanted and I mm. didn't have to ask for anything. Mm. So I, I would get money, I would get a car and then I would have independence and oftentimes would be even in high school were asked to take on leadership roles that was like, I'm not going to work here. This is the last place I'd ever want to work here. I'm going to college, you know, I'm going to go do this and that, you know, and and again, it's it was a real eye opener for me that that even even when I got to other pivotal points in my life that I really felt less than mm. and less than men. And, and I felt like I was always trying to catch up. Well, fast forward, you know, I have three daughters. Right. And uh, I have seven granddaughters. I have, we say, uh, God, she's, she has a really good sense of humor. And you know, what you, what you have to learn about is who you are. So for me, and it sounds like for you, the greatest thing that you learned going to Smith was that, women really can work together and support each other and realize all the different talents they have can really, uh, and, and, you know, and support each other in those efforts. And I'm sure many of your best friends come from Smith and that you've worked mm -hmm. in some capacity with, but, but I had to find that out myself. Mm -hmm. It was like to be a woman because I'll be honest with you. I did not have that support. I did not have those women in my life. You know, I had a strong grandmothers and, and a strong mother. But women my own age or girls my own age, that really was, that didn't exist. So for me, it's always been about catching up and realizing, you know, the most important person I had to really empower was myself. Mm -hmm. And to empower myself as a woman 
was my greatest challenge as well because I want. And you know, we, we have to do that because honestly, yeah. if we don't feel yeah. our own essence, we can't do it for anybody else. Yeah. Well, but you, you know, you've taken it to a different level, and of course, women connect for good for me. This is my passion. This is my purpose: is to find women such as yourself, women and men, who are working towards the common good of making this a better world. And you, you found that working at this orphanage and these children that you are, I mean, your heart was open then as far as the way you wanted to, to change the world and to bring people together. And you've been doing that ever since. You know, you're, you're the uh, chairperson of, of Women Moving Millions. So, and again, money, you know, and I think women need to have a much better relationship with money. Oh, they? absolutely. They, you know, they don't understand. It is a vehicle. You know, and women that have position and and have the financial background and also have the financial expertise as well as well as the wealth don't ever share that. And mm -hmm. this is where we can come together. And I love the word that you use that women are not very good at is negotiate. Mm -hmm. We are not good at negotiating, but your role and my role is to again to bring women together to support them so that we're all sitting at the table and equally and sharing all the many gifts that we were given from the time we were born to this very moment that we're speaking today and and of course equality now i mean i've thought about this so many times and you know and and this female alliance that that i've mentioned to you is just yeah. this is such an important piece and your name since we've last talked has come up more than when I can tell you. And, uh -huh. and of course, Jensina from World Pulse. I mean, everybody goes, oh, well, yes, I know Mona. Of course I know Mona. <laughs> because you really are, you create such an impact by knowing the things that are so important to women to move forward in their lives, to really help to make this a, a really amazing world that we can live in. And, you know, and I, I think I shared this with you also, you know, and I'm talking a lot, but I really want to give these points out is that, I think if more women supported one another and worked together, we would have no problems in this world. Because we've always been the problem solvers. We see the problems way before in our families, in our community, in the world before anybody else. Mm -hmm. And you know, when we get together, we can solve and do anything. But all right, let's talk about equality now, because not everybody knows about this amazing organization that you're the executive director of, because I think it's such an important, powerful especially right now with reproductive justice, which we, which we definitely have to have. But right now, I think it's more important than ever. Yeah, so we, we believe that equality is rooted in the law because at the end of the day, you know, I did a lot of work with the Equal Rights Amendment in the US. And this is basically taking the Equal Rights Amendment to a global stage. And uh, what you realize is it's fine for you know, things to be tweaked here and there. But until you have fundamental legal equality, it doesn't really matter because there's no recourse for anything. So the work we do at Equality Now is fundamental to setting the standards for equality. So we do a lot of work with the United Nations, the EU, the African Union. We wrote the Maputo Protocol, which is a women's human rights charter in Africa. Um, and we work fundamentally in the area of violence. So ending sexual violence, ending child marriage and female genital mutilation, tackling family laws, because we know equality starts in the family, inequality starts in the family, as I saw, um, and then harmful practices. So really ending sexual exploitation like trafficking, 
and all of that has become digital now so how do you deal with that in a digital space where there is no governance and there are no laws and it's just exploding in a way that is really dangerous so these are all topics that are quite heavy but and people ask me they're like why at this stage you've had such a great career you've had so much fun you know managing a portfolio of assets and resourcing and you know doing movies and all of this stuff why at this stage would you do this and honestly when equality now approached me and i looked at their portfolio i felt like i would be a failure if i walked away from this because this was an opportunity to really lift this organization and it's you know it's 60% lawyers who work on really really difficult legal issues and challenges and a lot of our um, briefs and things that we write are used by lawyers all over the world mm-hmm. but um honestly at this point you know given the networks that i've built and given the myriad of I've, i mean i've i've built and grown and supported over 90 organizations that we can all learn together as you said there are little pieces of what i've done in each of those organizations that can come together in this one and and you know put them on a stage where you know i can go to Kant lion i can go to vital voices i can go to the un i can go to all these different places and talk about equality now and talk about the important work and and that's really important you know that's really important also the model that equality now uses is very unique i think it's the only organization i've ever met that does this where we work in coalition so we build coalition around particular issue areas so for example child marriage we build a coalition around child marriage and we'll you know talk to people all over the world around the issues and so we we pick up the very essence of what is important and then roll that up into policy and you know policy change can take years in the last the big law we just won took us 10 years to win but it was huge and transformative but it took 10 years so in the meantime a lot of what we do is advocacy amplification writing these briefs pushing the un pushing international treaty bodies going to the human rights court in geneva you know suing countries <laughs> all of that and um and honestly while sometimes it can get very heavy i was telling someone i said the winds are really high yeah because they are so big and every time i have a win i feel like okay this is why i'm doing this you know and so it um it sounds odd but it's like it really is sort of low and high because sometimes it just feels like a lot and it feels like a huge burden and it feels like we're never going to get there and then the un says it's going to take 300 years for gender equality you know like what is going on you know yeah, yes i know yeah but since i started in january we've already changed six or seven laws so that's huge yeah. and that's what makes it work well you know and and again of course you're you're definitely focused on on a global level which is fantastic but you know when i when i think about the united states and again this coalition that we're forming with Tiffany and all women for for this female alliance i think about the united states and 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 i find it very very well it's disappointing but it's it's very confusing that we are taking so many uh we're we you know two steps forward and it's more like five steps back right now in the United States right. and, yeah and i'm just i don't i don't understand why we are where we are you know the united states used to i think we used to have this people were proud you know we were we were excited we were proud when we went to another country people wanted to be here and i think people still do but but what do you think's going on in our country compared to other countries that 
again, yeah. you're struggling with just child marriage and some other things, but we're, but in the, in the United States, the fastest, one of the fastest growing business and second business in the country, uh, this country is sexual, is sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, even child marriage, I don't know if you know, Nancy, but only 10 states and the last state just ratified, Michigan ratified this week. Um, only 10 states require marriage for girls to be at the age of 18, only 10 states. So in every other state in this country, children can get married who are not 18 years old. And so to me, that is statutory rape. It's not marriage. And, um, and this is the issue. And again, with sex trafficking, it is a very big industry. And yeah. I think it, it runs on capitalism, right? It runs on the money that gets fueled. And I'm, am I, no means am I saying capitalism is bad, but it's like when these trades are so lucrative, it's much more likely to be dangerous because yeah. the men who control them don't want to give up the control or the power that comes with trafficking in, in women's bodies. So, you know, that's the big issue here. And uh, we work in the United States also very much so around the Equal Rights Amendment and around reproductive rights and the right to bodily autonomy, because a lot of violence is really about not having the agency to control your own body or what people are doing to your own body. And a lot of that, frankly, to me, is tied around economic agency. Why does a woman stay in a bad marriage where she's being beaten up all the time? Why does a woman allow people to you know, penetrate her body 10 times a day? It's because there's not an alternative choice that provides her that economic security that she needs, either for herself or her family or her children, yeah. to lead a very fundamentally basic life. Well, I mean, and again, there aren't the resources or the support needed you know, I mean, the, the thing is, you can see a 1-800 number call this number if you're being sexually trafficked. They're not going to. They're going to have to have somebody come in and literally take them and bring them somewhere that they can be safe, get some education, you know. Clothing. But don't forget also, you know, many of them are drugged. Yeah, uh, they're drugged. They, and are, they are made to, you know, psych psychologically damaged in many ways. So they're not really in a position to make those decisions after a while because it's just, you know, they just feel like they don't have the recourse or they don't have the ability to make those independent decisions. And quite frankly, if they were financially independent, I guarantee you they would not be making those same decisions. Okay, well then let's look at it this way. Women moving millions, again, are women who are are recruited basically, and I, I was a member and probably need to get back on board, but we're recruited. You're always a member, you're just called an honorary member. <laughs> All right, I'm an honorary member, but are, are recruited basically because they have the resources, they have the connections, they have the things that can help, many of the things that you're talking about. So, and again, I, I, again using money as a vehicle, how does women moving millions? Because again, you have this a wonderful uh, organization with so many women involved who basically have dedicated their their lives in many many respects, as well as their as as far as and also their wealth to make a difference as far as challenging and changing these things in our own country. So, how yeah. how do you see that working, or how is that working? So it's it's a group of almost four hundred members some of whom are honorary and don't participate actively, but still do the work in other ways, and others that commit to giving away a million dollars minimum 
um, to support women and girls. And what's important about this group is they find a really tight knit community. Because as you mentioned, it's very difficult often for women to talk about wealth, whether yeah. they inherited it, whether they've made it, you know, there's this taboo around women talking about money because it's positioned as your, you know, bragging or you're setting yourself apart in this 1%, yeah. whatever it is, you know, there are all these labels associated with it. And I remember when I was asked to lead the board, I was very hesitant because I was like, oh, am I going to put myself out there? You know, I'm, and I have the other intersectional identity of being South Asian, where it's considered even more braggy to talk about money, you know, you just don't do it because it's not humble, it's not whatever. And until someone pointed out to me, it was such a mind shift. And she said, you know, you were very honored and privileged to work with Mother Teresa. And I said, yes, I was. And she said, can you tell me that she was not humble? And I was like, no, not at all. She was one of the most humble people I've ever met in my whole life. And she said, and was she visible? And I stopped and I said, yes, she is extremely visible, right? She's a Nobel Peace Laureate. And that flipped the switch for me because I said, wow, I can be both, you know, yeah. I, just because I'm visible about what I do and who I am and that the fact that I give away so much money or whatever it is, you know, it doesn't have to be about not being humble. You can hold both. Yeah, well, and I think what women, women moving millions also does, because most women that I've met are very sophisticated. They're very, uh, they're beautifully dressed. I mean, they they have great poise and great femininity. And and I think that's the, the thing that is also, you know, like you said, I grew up as a tomboy because I felt like that was the only way I could get recognition. I kept trying to be a guy, a boy. And then all of a sudden, when you find other women who realize our femininity and our masculinity, when the two come together, it is so darn powerful and can be so amazing. I think that's what the organization signifies, is that when those 400 women do come together or work together, they go, wait a minute, we're on the same page. We, we know what, what money is. We know it's, our wealth is important to make changes. And but at the same time, we can be as feminine and as well dressed and beautiful as any other woman in the room. So, yeah, absolutely. And also we can, you know, we can take control of not just our philanthropy, but our assets. So you can talk about how your money is invested. You know, it's there's no point if you're creating a massive carbon footprint and then giving away some of the returns you get. That's just kind of, you know, it's negative. But <laughs> we also, that also talked about those finances being directed to things that are truly going yeah. to make a difference and in the right. laws that we need to have changed and in the companies who are truly making a difference in the products and the services that they're provided to for boys and girls and to make yeah. a difference. Because we, we can't become what we can't see what yeah. we can read about and what we don't know about. So, and I think that's, you know, and I, and I think that's why women can be so extremely valuable is because the more we know and the more we can educate other women and, and remind other women of our resources, that it becomes even more possible to make these changes. So, well, what is your hope though? I mean, I know you, you're, like you said, you, you've got two continuums, you've got equality now and then you've got women moving millions which i'm sure is can be the uplifting and the very gratifying part because you see money making a difference you see it going towards projects that are that at the end of the year can show accountability and responsibility how those dollars yeah. are used well i will i will stay a member of women moving millions but i'm actually going to step off the leadership role um, at the end of the year because i think it's good and healthy to have new leadership in yeah. um, 
you know, on chair on boards and so forth. So I will stay involved, but I will say it's been a journey. It's been a journey of recognizing where the pivots are to make real change. We used to have a constraint, for example, where women had to know where they were giving their million dollars before they came in. And we removed that so you could learn in community, which has been very valuable. Mm -hmm. uh, we also had a policy where when we had um, speakers from the nonprofit world or organizations that were making change come to speak, they would do their panels and then they would leave. And there was this policy of no soliciting. And I was like, well, let's just change that. That, that was that was one thing. Well, there yeah. were a couple. So let people stay and let people have conversations because it's it's sort of a matchmaking platform. We are yeah. looking for things to do, and these are people are looking to connect with us. So it's fabulous. And many of us, myself included, hold both, right? So we we are members of Women Over Millions, but we're also supporting organizations that are doing incredible work. So it's important for us to share these, share these stories, share the successes so that other organizations can learn from the ones we work with. And I think that is what's so special about this place is that we learn in community and often we pull each other into things that are unexpected. So that's been really joyful for me. Well, I, I, liked, I like what you're saying because I think that was one of the issues that I had uh, when I, I removed myself at that point is that because really the point is is that when we come together and we see the issue and we have the the money and the vehicle and the wealth to do something about it why can't we work together to do that yeah well inside, we are inside, yeah. inside the organization or outside the organization right exactly so the same point is that we're we're, we're making a difference by the, the the resources and the monies that we had. So, well, yeah. may, I may have to rethink my position then. I'm glad to hear <laughs> that because, because again, the, the whole goal is for Women Connect for Good is to, to reach out and to continue to build this community of like-minded women and mm -hmm. men who really want to make a difference. And we can only do that when we join with our resources and share them. I mean, Mona, there's things that you're good at that I'm not good at. Why would I want to try to do things I'm not good at when I know right. you're better at it? So when we come together and do this, I mean, we can, we can, by golly, we can do anything. And well, we can also bring our different expertise to, like you're saying, we everybody say we picked one one issue area. Say we picked sex trafficking, since we're talking about yeah. it, right? And we picked. Um, so I come in with the lens of, okay, I want to help support the learning or the vocational training that we can provide these women who are trafficked so that they can then come out and find a job or be more economically be sustainable right yes. Yes. somebody else could come in and say we're going to attack the demand side of trafficking because we think that's unhealthy and horrible someone else could come and say you know what we're going to provide educational materials and scholarships for women and their children to go to school and college so we could we could sort of address the same issue but from our own angles of what we most believe in. And then together, you just have this um, multiplicity of impact that you can't do as a single human being. And I really believe that it's not just, you know, uh, a multiplier, but it's actually like several times greater than what you can imagine. Absolutely. Because it each adds up to more than the whole. So I think it's very powerful to do things. Well, we're, we're stronger when we work together. Than Absolutely. Absolutely. Trying to conquer and divide. Well, this female alliance that you that you've been asked to become a part of, and that you'll be talking to uh, Tiffany Shalane about. And this these are multiple women and multiple organizations that are jumping on board. We're brainstorming right now, but these female alliances are going to be extremely powerful. And and when we all bring what our resources to the table, 
there's going there's going to be just about I mean we can do anything. I'm very excited about this. I think the universe is opening up again and saying the time is now. Absolutely. We, we, when we come together and we bring these resources, but we have to have laws, James. We have to do exactly what you're doing. That's why equality now is extremely important because that piece alone is so important that we have to start there. You know, and then once we change those laws, how do you enforce them? You know, yeah, so we do that work too. We bring it back to the grassroots because we have connections there to right, say right. to But then, then it's that next stepping stone. And that's what we always are doing. You don't change somebody's life and then just go, okay, good luck, you know, you know, like uh, freeing the slaves. Okay, bye-bye, you guys. We'll see you later. You know, we have to continue. It's also about reimagining and re-understanding power systems, right? Because I think that's what causes so many of the issues. And it's women aren't a monolith either. And we just, we bring so many different lived experiences and so much richness to communities, to our children, to strategies. Um, you know, and it, and, and honestly, I don't have to be liked. I just need to know that I'm making. I like that. Not, everybody, not everybody's, not everybody's going to like you. You know, <laughs> and that's okay. That's really hard for my my grandmother used to use. Uh, I'd come in and I'd be really upset about something. And she goes, and I would tell her what had happened. And again, it'd be something in this realm. And she go, Oh, it sounds like you showed your petticoat. You know, and I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what they used to call it back then. You know, if you were you were being a little bit rush or blunt or too direct, you know, you showed right. your buddy code. So I think I'm going to keep doing that, by the way. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what you're doing and these organizations are phenomenal and your leadership is so key. Uh, I, I look forward to working with you in so many different different other areas and direction. And of course, I'm, I'm very, very, we, Women Connect for Good, how we can support your efforts as well. So, uh, you know, this this conversation is just one of many I hope to have with you. And uh, I look forward to working with you. And, and this, this female alliance, I think, is going to be extremely, uh, just another another level of what, what we've all been doing all along. But, uh, That's fantastic. That is absolutely another, another way to get there. Thank you. Another, yeah. Yeah. Well, there can never be too many female alliances. Can <laughs> no, so. <laughs> there, there can't. There cannot. Well, I, I know that, uh, you know, I'd love for people to learn more about what you're doing. So how could they learn more about uh, equality now? And of course, women with moving millions and get on board and use that wealth to make a difference in the world. Absolutely. Well, by, you know, the way, by the way, I, I call them social profit organizations, not social profit. So how can they how can they well, do I that? call them for purpose organizations for not, purpose. Not, okay right? I like that um, one. well I think uh, definitely you know log on our website www.qualitynow.org or www.womenmovingmillions.org um we we have a sign up place and on the website where you can sign up to get information so every time a law changes every time you put a policy brief out you get notified um and that's always exciting to see What's going well, on? We, we would love to be a part of that and just again get information out because awareness is key. Awareness is key. And then we also we have an annual celebration every year. So if you're in New York on October 11th, please come. Oh. We have a gala. I can send you some information to share. And it's on the uh, International Day of the Girl. So it's particularly yes. poignant. Yes. And uh, we actually use uh, visual and performing arts. To showcase our work because the work we do is hard and it's hard you know it's hard to stomach 
Um, so we use very creative means to demonstrate what we do. So it's much more joyful than it is. Yeah. Well, and, and you do it and it's important for you all to celebrate your wins yes absolutely and they you know things amplify i mean i could tell you so many stories nancy of i was having a conversation with the woman who leads my africa uh, office and she was telling me about this coalition that she's been working with and has built for 20 years and i asked her how are you celebrating and she looked at me and i said you have to celebrate so we raised some money for her and you won't believe it. the entire African Union is now coming and bringing like several heads of state and it's become like a huge big thing. And it started from just the seed of an idea of celebrating this. Well, that's that term coming from a place of abundance or a Correct. place of diversity yeah. and that what we have to start remembering. We're, we are coming from a place of abundance and there are many, many great wins that we've had and we're standing on the shoulders of so many great heroines and heroes and the mother Teresa's of the world that we forget that and that's the important thing of our stories and you know in the National Women's History Museum that is our goal to have those stories out there to remind us all where we've come from and help us to know where we're going so as again it's been delightful I appreciate your time your energy and of course your passion and your and your drive to make change so uh I look forward to future conversations. I do too, Nancy. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, I know this is this is just the beginning of many. So yeah, just the beginning. We have not seen the last of this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank have you. a great day. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening. <laughs>